It's just my funny way of laughing at your penis. Hello and welcome to Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob. And we are coming to you from the This is Scary Mommy Winchester building in the downtown metropolis area. On today's show, Rob. Am I free to comment? No. We have the first of our audience choice album review picks. <sighs> That's oh, right. That's a really bad. I got to figure out a different way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use an acronym. <laughs> Don't. It's Akaru. Okay. <laughs> so, and today's choice for a member of our listening hooligans, I mean, audience. But is, not mooks. <laughs> it's Terry Melcher's second and final album that he did from 1976, Royal Flush. Now, today is a somewhat special day here in the wonderful uh, Winchester building, which it almost never is. A rock and groovy day. Because we are taping this episode on my birthday today. Woohoo! You're old. Pretty soon you're, you're going to get the seniors, seniors discount. Yeah, I'm now at the age where I can technically say, you kids get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were no girls to greet me as I walked into the Winchester building today. Only our producer, Uptown Mike, which is as cruel a present that one should ever get. Uh, probably, <laughs> girls weren't there. There was probably another birthday. You know, you know what? We'll make it for another day. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta start making birthdays up, just telling people it's my birthday. I gotta tell you, Rob. You gonna get me something? Oh, I'll yeah. get you something. Pink slip. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought it was a swift kick on that. Oh, please continue. I got to I gotta tell you, Rob, that as I as I look back on my many non accomplishments in my life, the biggest thing that I did not do in all of my years is not to inflict the pain on you in the most severest of ways that I've always wanted to do. <laughs> that is my biggest regret. You know my psyche well, but not that well. <laughs> <laughs> Rob would like it. More, please. More pain. Thank you, sir. May I please have another? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we move on, Rob, to our, to our segments today, any news from uh, work you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, yeah. Roof collapsed and killed some guys uh, a few cities away. No. Oh, really? Is that true, or is this false, or is this... No, it's completely made up. Oh. No people died. Uh, what about the guy who's, uh, the, the boss's son, who's still trying to... Uh, Touch me? Diddle your whittle. <laughs> <laughs> is that how the yeah. kids say it? You just kind of accepted the same thing as, as like, uh, mosquito season. You know, you, you just you just swat them away. Ooh, that's not nice. You should have more respect for the LGBTQ community. Neither is getting sucked, okay? I mean, having your blood sucked. Anyways, by mosquitoes. Anyways, before we get emails about that, just like we almost got emails last week about the uh, AIDS joke that... Uh... <laughs> the fact that you let me near a microphone at all. <laughs> shows, shows your mental instability. 
So we're already, and this is going to be a fast show, Rob, and I'm excited because the show is supposed to be 45 to 50 minutes long, and I got a feeling that's what it's going to hit today. Oh, we're gonna... I said that last week, and it didn't. But I swear today <laughs> we are going to hit that mark because I only have two things. One of the, of course. No, you got three things. Please continue. Odds and ends. Odds and ends. Lost time is not found again. Now, today on... Stop moving around like your jittery jittery bug. I, don't I was about to say that, but I pulled my comment back, but my hand gesture continued. Mm. So now today on mm. Odds and Ends, we have two items. Two? Left over from last week's episode, as you remember. That's right. That I promised to do. And the first one is to tell the Rip Torn ah, Dennis okay. Hopper story We're back down from to the movie Easy Rider. Two items. Now, I'm not... Oh. Okay, so I um, I was going to say I'm not. Oh, I'm not going to recap how we got onto this. We were just talking about our appreciation of Rip Torn yep. last week, yep. and then uh, I wanted to tell this story because it's uh, it's legendary, <laughs> <laughs> involving Rip Torn and Dennis Hopper. Uh, this is going to be good. Two, two very loose <laughs> cannons going at to the height suffer. of their looseness. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. At the height of their looseness. So uh, it all started with uh, uh, Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper. I think more Dennis Hopper. I'm not sure. Wanted Rip Torn to play the character that Jack Nicholson played eventually in Easy Rider. And so Dennis Hopper. I just can't imagine Dennis Hopper with the long hair, man, going into like a Los Angeles restaurant. <laughs> so they, he went to, you know, to talk to Rip Torn about taking the part. Um, and so... Was there drinking involved? Please continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get to all that here. But now the great thing about this is that this story happened, I don't know, 68, early 69, something like that. And it was kind of kept hidden until 1994. And that's when Dennis Hopper made an appearance on uh, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and told this story. And that's when all the shit hit the fan, I could say. And you can actually see that interview from Dennis Hopper on YouTube, if you look it up, which started the whole legal process and have all the rigmarole afterwards. It's on YouTube. But anyways, they were having dinner, and uh, they were kind of getting frisky with the cutlery <laughs> <laughs> in a tip over whether Texans are hippie-hating rednecks. And, of course, Rip Torn is from Texas. Um <laughs> Now, what, what Dennis Hopper said to Jay Leno uh, is he said that that Rip Torn lost the part of booze adled, and I like the word booze adled yeah. because mostly that means alcoholic lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why people say booze adled, but booze adled lawyer George Hansen after pulling a knife on Dennis Hopper. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry, but this story is so classic because it is so like both of them. <laughs> so this part obviously launched Jack Nicholson's film career and made him into a star. Now, Hopper said on The Tonight Show 
that Torn attacked him over some script changes. <laughs> but there's always two sides to a story. Oh, yeah. And you have to watch when Dennis Hopper tells a story, because usually when he was when the story happened, he was pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are other witnesses there who identified Hopper, who was in this L.A. restaurant decked out in buckskin, just like an easy rider, buckskin, uh, and that he was the knife wielder, which is actually more to the truth from what, <laughs> from what I can ascertain from after all the court battles and everything. And Peter Fonda recalled, I don't know where Peter Fonda was, because he mustn't been at the same table or else he would have remembered everything, but he was there for some reason. Strange. It's a strange story. So Peter Fonda recalled the two going at each other with a butter knife <laughs> <laughs> and a salad fork. <laughs> now, I, I don't know what two, one of them probably really drunk and one of them probably really stoned is thinking of at the time. And, but that's just a classic in your head scenario of that's these a, two guys. Sounds like the old, you know, 15th century duels. Yes. But with uh, uh, helpful embellishments of uh, intoxicants. Um, so. Hopper's Tonight Show anecdote was false. It was false. What he said about Rip Torn pulling a knife on him was false, and he knew it. I don't know why he said it. <laughs> Maybe, even though he was sober at the time uh, that he was doing the Jay Leno interview, because he sobered up in like 86. But uh, I don't, you, you never know why Dennis Hopper does things. Uh, God bless his soul. But, um, Rip Torn saw this as it was happening at home. He was watching. <laughs> he was watching the Tonight Show, <laughs> and like within the next morning, there was a lawsuit for defamation, uh, and he was awarded four hundred and seventy-five thousand uh, dollars for for defamation from Dennis Hopper, and the judges ruled that. Torn could take Hopper back to court if you wanted to for punitive damages. That's how wrong the story was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Dennis Hopper was, a, I'm not saying that Rip Torn was a saint because he was not, but Dennis <laughs> Hopper was a real piece of work around that time. A real <laughs> piece of work. So. Oh, I tell you, Rip Torn, he, he could scare the living hell out of you if you, if you wanted. So. <laughs> yeah. You, you kind of, you'd have to know when to take them seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I just love that, you know, all of a sudden they're talking about this part and uh, how they're going to do it. And all of a sudden, Rip Torn comes out with the butter knife. Well, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't seem possible. It really seems like, I think what a lot of people said was, uh, Dennis Hopper was really zoned out you know, on whatever drugs, LSD or whatever, and just imagine a whole bunch of shit from Rip Torn like he was the devil. You've heard stories about that. You know, yeah, where you see yeah. the other guy is evil or, or whatever in your... Yeah, I remember uh, one uh, story of a guy who uh, went to a bar there on the acid, and they said, you know, with a singer, I said, well, I knew he was singing directly to me. 
<laughs> no, no, he wasn't. You, you imagine that. Yeah, this is exactly that scenario. And, but I couldn't and unconvince him. <laughs> so I guess Dennis Hopper kind of pulled a knife on him, thinking that I, I, I kind of got to kill you because you're evil. <laughs> you know, I either that or you know, passions just got high and someone finally. Yeah. Screw you. Exactly, and mostly it was probably. Everybody agrees. It seems that Dennis. That Riptorn was was involved in this. Obviously, he's he's not going to just sit there and go, "Oh, let's." He's going to cut me up. That's cool. No, he's <laughs> going to he's going to fight back. He's got a temper too. But that Dennis Hopper is such a loose cannon that he obviously <laughs> just like freaked out for a second and thought that Riptorn said something. Said, "I I'm going to send you back to hell, motherfucker." That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. It's better when you really imagine them in the restaurant. Like Dennis <laughs> I, Hopper with I've his long hair. I've seen the two of them, and I've seen them from different eras. I know, and it's just so funny. And it's just it's just like a butter knife. I gotta I gotta I gotta kill you so bad with this butter knife and, and I gotta like a, a, a salad. Oh, I'm gonna throw this salad at you. <laughs> so anyways i don't know that story really that doesn't have to do with the 70s but it's on the fringe you know i i wonder if the next night the restaurant did really good business or really bad business <laughs> that, yeah i think it was one of those restaurants that uh, always did good business because it was a hip place you know what i mean oh yeah uh, all the meetings one little there. fight between two stars isn't gonna dissuade them. this happens all the time that's <laughs> Um, so that's the one story that I promised I would tell next week. Now, the second leftover item from last week is I'm supposed to tell the story of listening to my first real record album. Damn it, no, ever. I had to cross both of them off. And now you, th you didn't think I'd remember. I didn't did think you were going to remember, and I was going to remind you at a most inopportune moment and make the show drag on. Yeah, well, see, I didn't have anything <laughs> for the for segments today so it was really easy to remember <laughs> the funny thing is i had like as rob knows i had like a backlog of segments i had a whole bunch of segments from the start of the year and last week you was out? my last one last week was my last oh one. the bottle is empty on. and you know how long it lasted like this is this is well by the time this airs this will be the the end of may that's all that's over five mm. months of, of backlogs that i had of, of stuff that goes from january when we had our Three, anniversary show an average of four shows a month yeah. yeah so that's that's a lot of uh stuff <laughs> uh but now i my mind is blank so yeah I'm, I'm just searching for stuff now so in the future we'll do a lot more jabbering jabbering <laughs> so the story of the my first record album that i listened to was one of those stories and the reason why it's a story in the first place and not just you know i listened to john tommy james and the sean delson it was so groovy man it's not one of those stories <laughs> it happened at a time in my life where i didn't know what music was yes uh, basically uh it was 1977 i remember it was a week before my birthday oops i kind of gave way approximately when my birthday is <laughs> so you know when 1977 when it happened and they always talk about these things that happen seeing uh, the beatles on ed sullivan yes sort of yes like moments like i saw the beatles in itself and everything changed that's or, what i knew or or 
I saw my wife and I knew that that was the woman I was going to marry. Like all these lightning bolt things that happen. Yeah. And you know for sure what's going to happen. And a lot of cynics go, that's bullshit or whatever, or, or that never happens. It does happen because it happened to me and it happened like so almost like you could see the lightning bolt hit me. <laughs> that's how crystal clear it was. Here I was like, a, a kid about to turn 11. I'm only 10 years old. Only 10 years old, about to turn 11, which is so young to even think about turning yeah, on a, I, a radio station or anything like that. Or like I said, I was like 14 or 15 when uh, I first heard a song that uh, I had to hear again. Yeah, like most people, about 13, 14, <laughs> something like that. But I was 10. And the strange thing was it happened because my my friend just about three doors down in my in my neighborhood was even younger he was he was a year younger than me and he was even more into music he never became like the the, the person i became but he was he was really into the beatles and he would and we would play sometimes and then he'd say oh you gotta i gotta you know turn you on to the beatles and stuff so we didn't talk we didn't say turn you on yeah. when you're no. nine and ten years old that wasn't that was language for those hippies that we'd heard about and maybe seen on uh, later tv shows it was more like hey you gotta hear this man I was like okay so he came over uh, i remember it like it was yesterday he came over to my house before school, and you know that school is like 7.30 in the morning or whatever, or 8 o'clock. And he came over to school, and this is like grade 5, Rob. This is like, oh, God, it's so young. I was watching Star Trek after school. <laughs> but this is before school. Oh, like, okay. this is early in the morning. And he came over before school. And I could tell, you know, my, my mom's making breakfast for my dad and myself to go to school. So she's not too happy that he came over. At <laughs> but he came over with the white album. Oh. And he said, I, you got to listen to this. You got to listen. You just got to listen to like some of it. And then he pulled out the poster and he pulled out the pictures. And it was like, what the hell? This is this is not like an album. This is like. This is, yeah. I, my parents have albums and it's like a cardboard thing. And uh, <laughs> sometimes the record just slides it without a sleeve. And sometimes it's. Uh, exactly. So most the, of the cover. time, and at the top, it just starts ripping apart. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like, I've seen yeah. a few repaired with duct tape. <laughs> this is more like a wedding album or something. This is incredible. I was looking at and he was telling me it's the first time, first time I remember I heard the word Yoko. Because <laughs> he said, and this was his wife. Uh, oh, this was his wife he just married, who, and he just left this. And I'm going, but she's Japanese. I remember saying something <laughs> like that. And I go, I know. He went, I know. And so he's kind of explaining the pictures and on the posters. And uh, and it's just like, okay. And I'm trying to take this in, not really trying to understand, because I knew the Beatles as a name and kind of like yeah, Paul and culturally, John. Yeah. yeah, culturally, but not really. But then he's I... explaining it to me. And then he says, I'll just play. You know, before we go to school, and I know my mom's getting mad because she's going, Gary, you got to eat. So I'm trying to eat and absorb this. And then he puts on the first side, and it's back in the USSR. And it's like, and you hear the plane, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. coming in and back in the USSR. And then it's just, and then just like, you could feel it inside me, this, like, it's just like, Want, and you know how that feels like you want to get something out at the beginning of the song? Well, and that's how it felt. Like it was like, oh, what is this? 
and it was like, and then it was just like complete rock and roll, right? Like Bethany, which I had only heard, like, I think I only had one album before and I didn't even buy it. I think it was, my mom bought it for me, which was a Keitel album, as we were talking before the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With, uh, I think I talked about it earlier on our show about, not on this show, but on an episode where the first album I had had like 20 songs on it. And most of them were god awful because they were disco remakes. Yeah, they tended to mash together a whole bunch of songs. And um, uh, it was like Top 40 Radio or whatever was Top 40 uh, would, uh, you know, even if it were. So music, as usual, for a 10 year old, for me, was just listening music. It wasn't big. I didn't have anything that, you know. No, I remember hearing the mom and dad's like uh, country stuff in the background. But, uh... Yeah. That, you know it what? never caused me to want to uh exactly uh, and i think the music i had on actually my mom played like uh the music on the radio in the morning when she made breakfast for us before we left and stuff like that that was pretty much the extent of the music that i listened I am to familiar almost with like all kids at that age until this happened and then as the like the the Back in USR leaves, makes that kind of UFO sound. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then right after it, which kind of caught me by surprise because there was no pause, was Dear Prudence. And I swear to God, people, when I heard the first notes, dun, 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 oh, yeah. I said, I got hit. I got hit by a lightning bolt. This one Call thing was it, amazing. The second thing is amazing. It, the second <laughs> thing, like the first one was amazing. The second thing, I knew that's what I had to do. I knew that that's what I would be doing the rest of my life in some way, shape, or fashion in that. Now, people may not believe that, but I'm telling you from my own mouth that it did as soon as i heard that i said i gotta find everything about this rock and roll that they're talking about <laughs> i gotta find everything about the beatles it just hit me just like they say it does when they say i got love at first sight or i saw the beatles and ed sullivan that's what i wanted to do it hit but maybe even more because i didn't see anybody like at love at first sight thing or i didn't see the beatles all i did was hear those hear first the notes and I said, this is unfucking believable <laughs> I've never had anything close to this yet. Of course, I was only 10 years old, but I don't think I've had anything close to it since. It really was like God putting his hand down. And I know this sounds like an overstatement, but it happened to me. I swear to God. And Rob can testify that I'm like a music nut. And that's all that I think <laughs> about and do and sleep. And it all stems from that. It really does. It all stems from that one moment where that hand came down from God and said, you, sir, have been picked to follow this music. Do what you can for it. And it will be your life's calling. And I was like, Sure, it sounds pretty damn good to me. <laughs> and I was never the same. I was never the same from that moment on. I was completely absorbed by it. I had to find out everything about this music. I had books. I had I had to find out about every band. It was literally an obsession that, of course, I wouldn't say dimmed over time, but as you learn more you you know that there's less out there you know what i mean rob yeah i think so yeah 
you know, first of all, it's a whole Grand Canyon worth of things you have to fill. And then you start filling it. So you don't lose the passion, but you start to become seasoned. Yeah, you have reference for comparison at this point. Yes. It's like, yes. okay, these guys are good. Uh, these guys, uh, they don't appeal to me as much. And I remember um, saying that early on when we met, we were talking about music, uh, say, you know, uh, uh, the, the thing we had in common was that when you hear a band that you enjoy, you hear an album you enjoy, you just, you, so you got to collect all the albums to hear the rest, the whole work. Yes, <laughs> so. that was a big thing to me, is that is that a lot of people will say, oh, I like uh, Neil Young when he's acoustic, so I bought Harvest or something. No, I had yeah, to get, I I had to get everything 30 albums of every artist. You know, I had to get all, I had to get the catalog, because got, how do you know? Yeah, I got my albums category, categorized according to band, and a lot of them are like start to finish of the career. Like, but I don't know if I've told this story before on the show, but if even if I have, I'm going to tell it again. Okay. I remember um, uh, back when we had uh, that version of Trivial Pursuit, Rock Trivia. Yeah, that's what I bought. <laughs> no, I got it. I got it for uh, a present. I got one for a present, yeah. I remember um, we played it multiple times, and the teams were always you against everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And we'd play with Rob's sisters. And there'd be the three of them. There'd be two oh, of Rob's we'd sisters. We play, remember, with Mike, <laughs> and we play with with our, our friend Mike. And it would be, I think, there's four or five people that can play the game, and it would seriously be everybody <laughs> against me, and I just obliterate them. I all. have <laughs> no memory of anyone else ever winning. And sometimes you were even smug about it. <laughs> you pretend not to know the final answer for like 10 or 15 minutes, and then that's pretty jam. It's funny because it, it's like Trivial Pursuit, but it's Rock Pursuit, so what you do is that you go around getting the Different things. categories and of I rock already, music questions. I was already like on my like four out of five uh, and they were just haven't moved yet (laughs) and then yeah rob was right then i start to get cocky and then i start to like dance around as i give an answer oh i don't know maybe Mick Jagger. (laughs) yeah we'd always try and i think you let us pick the question (laughs) out of the six rather than go according to the color (laughs) and we don't look at it which one do you think he doesn't know Let's just say that it wasn't played that often. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess after about five or six times, you know. Yeah, it was not a fun uh, game for the other Let's team not to play. repeat this experiment. I, I, I think I know it. how it's going to work out. I thought it was the greatest <laughs> game ever, but other people thought otherwise. They thought less so after a while. <laughs> and that's how I was, you know, not the arrogant side, but that's how I was. Was I just knew everything because I studied everything. I wanted to know everything. And I wanted to know what was the band's, not the band, but what was a band's worst album? What was their best album? Why did this album not sell? There are, yeah, there what so, changes occurred what here? What changes and... occurred that made this album so bad? And if you look and read the read the books that I did, and I'm going to bring some in. I've, I've decided to bring my old books in and talk about that on segments and they're all ratchety because they come from like 1980 1979 <laughs> and uh, i still have them and what it, it's just rock and roll has so many great stories and so many great stories about why this album didn't work or why these people didn't get along it wasn't like that before rock and roll 
uh, bands, first of all, you know, they didn't break up. You know, most of them were crooners yeah, and, and stuff. Yeah, uh, things happened. You didn't hear about them. You really only heard about the, 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 their successes. Actually, one of the ones, we're getting really off topic here, but I got to mention this before we move on to the album review, is that I just read, because it's the Let It Be, the Beatles Let It Be 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary. Yeah. And I read an article just a week ago, and it's something that even I did not know. Because I, you know, me and Rob were very, we were toddlers back then <laughs> when they broke up. But nobody had really aired their laundry before in any sort of musical. Yeah. Nobody they were had the done most that photographed recorded band of all time. Exactly. So nobody had broken up with bad blood that the public knew about before. Yeah. Like there had been bad blood in music, of course. And it was always music. only ever called. Musical disagreements. Musical Well, that's how it's... Well, almost that's... Yeah, that's what how, the, you know, Rolling Stone or Melody Maker in England and, and New Musical Express would, would, would phrase things back then until the Beatles came and then they started the whole thing of transparency where, you know what? This is why I hate him. <laughs> and this is why I hate Yoko. And this is why this happened. And it, it changed... Like... like the Beatles changed rock and roll in so many ways, but in one way that I never realized in all these years until last week when I read these articles, this article on Let It Be was that the Beatles also changed the way bands broke up and the way bands talk to the public. Everything is 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 open. Hey, I'm taking these guys to court because they're pissing me off <laughs> and because I, we signed contracts. And did you know the business is all about contracts? And everybody just thought that these, you know, that four people or five people got together and formed a band and then they play, they make some money. And then when they depart, you know, they say, shake hands and say, I'm going on a solo career. Good luck. <laughs> and, <laughs> buddy. Exactly. And this, and it, it, this was the first time of many times afterward, it became, of course, the norm to air your dirty laundry. Because you had a magazine, first of all, that could do it. That's now, right. Which Rolling that Stone. was previously viewed by the record company uh, as you know uh, bad publicity. That's going to hurt sales. Exactly, and it was and always covered up, just like all the stuff. It stopped in sales. You know, all the stuff in movies in the forties and fifties was always covered up with hush money or oh or yeah, whatever. yeah 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 yeah. Who got the part by doing this? Yes, and, uh, exactly. Who got arrested for doing that? That's exactly how the music <laughs> business was. Is that, uh, you know, the, the publicity department always cover it up and just say, oh, musical differences. And it was never this guy hates this guy. But well, you got into a fist the Beatles the changed everything. And, and Rolling Stone changed everything. Rolling Stone says, hey, what happened, by the way, <laughs> when you guys broke up? And you can't help it when one guy is talking to you and, you know, you spend the whole afternoon with him. Because that's what you did back then. You don't do it now. But you'd spend the whole afternoon talking to him. You get real comfortable with him. Yeah, you forget kind that of he's it, from Rolling gives Stone. You a whole lot more uh, talk about yeah, from a reporter's point of view. Exactly. Man. So all of a sudden, after three hours with this guy, you you figure out you kind of in your mind go, oh, this guy's pretty cool. Yeah, I know he's from Rolling Stone, but he's pretty cool. And then you start airing your dirty laundry because you think you're talking to a friend, <laughs> and then. Couple weeks later, on the new issue of Rolling Stone, it's like these guys are cocksuckers because <laughs> you just realized that the guy you told all your secrets to was was still, as they said in the movie, almost famous, the enemy, which is what 
you know, Rolling Stone was to musicians, but the Rolling Stone was brilliant at it because Rolling Stone was, hey, you know, spend a weekend with them. <laughs> and by the, by, they're not going to trust you on Friday, but by Sunday, they're going to tell you everything. And pretty soon, it's what we have now. Every time a band breaks up, it's almost never good. And maybe back then when bands broke up, it was never good. But we never we never <laughs> heard about it. <laughs> I do want to hear about a band where they, they break up and uh, just uh, give hugs and <laughs> let's crush it. I know stuff. there have been bands that have done that. R.E.M. is one of them that comes to mind. I can't really think of too many. But that's I know that R.E.M. decided that they just knew that that was the end. We've done what we had to do, yeah. They exactly what they said. We did everything we had to. In fact, maybe we made one album too many, you know, and uh, let's just call it quits. And uh, other than that, there are a few, but I just can't think of them because I didn't come prepared for that sort of thing. No, most of the time, uh, they don't fade away. They burn out. That's right. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's the story of how sometimes you can be touched by something. And there is such a thing as... A lightning a life-changing moment a life the... there is such a thing as i saw this concert and it changed my life and it totally i quit my job the next day and i you know what when somebody tells you that it's probably true don't don't dismiss it as being bullshit because concerts do that uh records can do, especially when you're almost 11 years old a record can have a huge impact if you've never heard that type of music before. It can make you say, "Yeah, you've only ever heard music that uh, didn't didn't grab you. It was just there." It was radio music, yeah. yeah. It's like a <laughs> scented candle. <laughs> so, uh, for today's episode, we right. have uh, a review of an album by that way. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to read this letter that was sent to me um, from. I'm going to say, I'm going to try and say it right. Okay, this is an email sent to me from Tommy Streslicki. Streslicki. I hope I say that right, Tommy. And if I didn't, screw you. Sounds like a good, good, good <laughs> Polish name. Huh? Sounds like a good Polish name or it sounds like a foreign name to me. Yeah, yeah. He's not a Smith or a Johnson. No. <laughs> Back in the old days, Tommy, we tried and get you out of that country but you're okay nowadays we get you out of the country <laughs> or we try to convince you to change your name it, just, it, it causes, it, yeah. causes confusion so uh, tommy's from pittsburgh pennsylvania and he wrote in his email that he bought terry melcher's debut album because of our review of it sorry about that Tommy, on the show and he loved it and would like to know if we could review melcher's second and final album that he released in his lifetime, Royal Flush, released in 1976. Now, it's not that Terry Melcher died right after he made this album. It's just that the uh, he realized that, hey, <laughs> it seems that people aren't buying my records and I don't need to make them. I just thought that it would be cool. People made albums in the 70s with an unlimited budget and just to see if, if people would buy them albums because money was like flowing all through the record industry yeah, back then. And then he realized, you know, I'm not getting good reviews and nobody's buying it. So I'll just go back to record producing and stuff. And so he never made another album. And then uh, in 2004, unfortunately, he passed away from uh, skin cancer. And of course, as I told you, if you listen to our show before, which of course Ter Tommy did, uh, Terry Melcher is the son of Doris Day. And uh, 
he's was also the producer of the birds early albums and uh and he's probably well he is most famous for the whole man charlie manson family craziness that was not his fault but he was the guy that that uh he was the dennis wilson had to who got to listen to him to decide whether uh charlie manson should be recorded or not and they he did bring him into the studio uh to lay down some demo songs and he was just way too erratic and uh he didn't seem to have form to his songs like verse chorus verse chorus it seemed to go you know whatever way he wanted and it just it just didn't it wasn't commercial and and it's just so you know and that that of course that of course unfortunately his denial and his refusal to get back to charlie mass i don't want to spend too much time because charlie Manson should not be talking about in any sort of way on our show but we have to give some background if you didn't listen to our original episode of terry melcher and and of course charlie got mad and and the one place that he knew that he had been to before was the address on cielo drive which was terry melcher's house which he had lived in but was no longer living there anymore and it was uh roman plansky and sharon tate who lived there and that's where they decided to do their killing so that was always Terry Melcher never got over that, unfortunately, but uh, he was, uh, and as we said about his first album, we, we, Rob and I disagreed a little. Rob didn't, it was a very strange album. Not that this album, this album is not as strange, Royal Flash. No, I remember thinking it, today, uh, the, the two words I remember from uh, the last review was uh, um, urban country. Urban country, mm. yes, and it was also Rob had the distinction of the first album of not hearing most of the original versions of the song because about half the songs were originals by Terry Melcher and the other half, if not three quarters of the songs, were really strange <laughs> cover versions, and I just felt that the album was very interesting, but some of the radical rearrangements of the songs i thought was a little too weird and i i I remember i gave it three and a half stars and i was kind of like yeah there's some moments which are really good on this record and there's some moments where he just really misses the mark and i know that rob liked it a little bit better because he hadn't heard a lot of the original versions so he thought that his arrangements were kind of cool I think that's yeah. Well, that's my memory of it. Is that is that not right? I trying to think about the you know, I, I click on the uh, the one album there and I uh, can't remember. There was one of them, yeah, that uh, I got the wrong version. I think that was it. I do remember that I really hated. He did a really oh the final song on the album was slow that? version. Well, yeah. There was a couple songs like he did Willie and the Hand Jive, and he did a really slow ballad of Willie and the Hand Jive, and I was going, "What the hell is this?" And then, <laughs> and then he did a really slow, quick version, like only a minute and a half or something of Stagger Lee, which is like a, it's got a lot of lyrics, and and you really liked it, I remember, because you thought it was really good, and because you hadn't heard the original, and I was going, so I was put off, but I also thought that a couple of the uh, a couple of the covers he did was really ingenious. 
And then a couple of them, he really dropped the ball. Anyways, I had a very mixed review of it. And Rob just liked it a little bit more um, from my recollection. So when I went, I had heard this album before. I've heard, the, I heard, I've heard this album a couple of times about five or six years ago, Royal Flush. And mainly just, see, and I have the problems with this album like I had with the first album, is that it's not as weird, but it's weird. It is. It's mm-hmm. like uh, you know, it's coming in with the uh, the country uh, steel guitar, and then it uh, suddenly sounds Beatleish after uh, the the first eight bars, and then uh, there's a mix here. Yeah, and there there seems to be whether I'm correct or not, but I don't know whether Terry Melcher is taking this thing seriously or not. Whether he's like I know he's taking it seriously because a song like. The first song of the album, Fire in a Rainstorm, is a very cool song um, and very dramatic and, and very cool. But then he has almost like a joke. So I don't know whether he's, that's what I felt like on the first album, too, because of, of the radical, almost crazy rearrangements of some of the songs. I was wondering, is he pulling oh, my yeah, leg? Yeah. Is he pulling my leg here? Because is he just like, is really, is he pulling my leg? That's that's really what I got from that album. Other than some of the things were really stunning. And then the, the other half was like, is he pulling my leg? What's because, he doing there? What's he doing here? Like, what's the point? <laughs> and he does that again on this album in a much more straightforward. This is a very... To, to to let you know it is it is a kind of it is an LA country rock type album. Yes. Much more much more like that through the whole thing than the different styles on the first album, which had different styles all over the place, but was still yeah. country rock in a way. Uh one of the points is that he has like like on the first side, he's got three songs about Mexico. I was gonna actually make that titled comment. Mexico, like LA to Mexico. I know. Down in Mexico and say, take it to Mexico. And I'm thinking, is he pulling? Is that an in joke? Or he mentions it quite a few times <laughs> in the you know more songs than those three. But I was thinking, if you look at the album cover and you read the titles, you got to kind of expect it. Yeah, you know what? I I did think that. I didn't expect it. I was like, okay, those are song titles. But then I remember um, uh, hearing the the first side and how many times the word Mexico is used. Good musical word. But I got to thinking, uh, which song am I listening to? Oh, I know, I know, and that that was that was the part where I was, you know, and and then he did a song in the middle of all, like he did three Mex three Mexico songs out of four, on, yeah, on the first side, and the and the one in the middle called High Rollers was about Mexico, except it wasn't mentioned. It, well, it was mentioned, but it's not the title of the song. It's called High Rollers, and I'm thinking what? And then the first song, Freeway Close, on the second side. It's also about Mexico. And I'm thinking... Uh, Rosa Rosita. And then there's Rosarita. <laughs> Rosarita. Yes, on the second side. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, there's no real connection. Like, it's not a concept album. No, it, it, there's a theme. Yeah, a theme, but not a concept. But not a concept. But is it a theme, or is he just joking around? That's the aggravating part about Terry <laughs> Meltzer's two albums. Is he going all Andy Kaufman on me? Yes, exactly. Pulling the, the kind of humor that... Uh, is only if it's funny to him, that's what's important. Yes, that's what I mean. I guess that's what I'm talking about. He knows the joke, and maybe his LA you know, studio something. guys know the joke, but all of us sitting at home are going, What? Why? If that's what he did, he's brilliant. I don't know if he did that or not. And and then he does a second thing which throws me off, which 
and he did it on high rollers and the last song of the album card game is that he uh dedicates the songs at the end (laughs) (laughs) which i didn't know which is something you just don't do this one's for you young lady (laughs) and he goes this one first one was for sunny this goes this song is for sunny times and then he goes uh and then at the end he goes this one i can't remember what he said this one's for you at the end and i yeah and like i'm going like, like why didn't you just put that in the liner notes like is that a joke like i don't know because <laughs> it's just something and it takes away i'm not saying it's bad or good i, I i'm saying it might for some people take away the song from the from the song i don't know but i just got the feeling that i don't know whether he's because he's a rich kid and I don't think that has anything to do with the quality of an album. You know, he's Doris Day's son. No, I'm not saying that. But it that, does but... have something to do with uh, what you put into it in that uh, if it's like a make or break. This was not a make or break. Yes, that's him. what I'm this getting at. This was a fun thing for That's him. what I'm getting at is that he can afford to do any album he wants because he has, he has tons of money. So was this album just kind of like a vanity or both of his albums just kind of a vanity project? to to do what he wanted to do i think it is more of that i think it's i want to just do what i want if i want to do a slow version if he was a rich person who had not had a career in music i'd I'd be prone to saying you know maybe he's just thinking well uh, success in music is uh, just a matter of luck so let me roll the dice yes but he did know a lot about music uh he i mean his music uh, roots go back to like 1962 you know at the start of the beach boys and the whole surface so he knows the whole he, he was part of the whole he doesn't have to watch the movie he was the movie <laughs> yeah i agree and you know what i've just came to this conclusion now as we're talking that i i really do think that with all the clout that he had and all the music the great music that he had produced and been behind that this was more of a vanity project saying this is what i want to do and if and if i want to sing the song and dedicate the sunny tufts i'm going to do it because i don't really care if it sells it's not gonna if i don't make another album it, it it's no skin off my neck i'm not really uh an artist anyways i'm the, i'm a behind the scenes see i kind of get it yeah <laughs> i kind of get it now and i could tell also by his uh his voice was not uh it sounds really good but it's not like a the the a really out front uh that's what a lot of criticism about his first album, which we covered, uh, was about in the reviews, is that uh, he had a tortured voice on purpose, like he was using his voice. As yeah, a see, voice. that's it does kind of work in that uh, some of these songs are character songs. Yes, because Fire I Roars, find that he Rebecca. sings he sings really well on a song like Fire in a Rainstorm, and then other songs he's almost like playing a character, yeah. like in Rebecca, and <clears throat> and, and, and and there's definitely high rollers uh, and definitely high rollers where he's singing in an off-putting type of voice for yeah. some people and uh yeah i just feel yeah i really feel now that it's kind of like this was a lot of fun this is what i want to do and then we got that out of the system with this album i think he said okay i'm done this is what i want to do <laughs> now i can go back to you know being behind the scenes um again it's a strange album so but there are like like uh tommy wrote here he loved the he loved the first album and i think there's people that are would like this up i wouldn't mind putting this album on once a year or once every two years it's just it's interesting <laughs> it is you know the songwriting uh i liked it because it uh 
it was actually uh, the the songs about something or uh, the, he has a good way of writing that uh, holds your attention. It does. Like I did, I was listening and I wanted to hear what came next to hear the story. Uh, the one criticism I had for uh, the lyric writing, there was a lot of good, he does a whole lot more good lyric writing than Ballard, but sometimes he falls back on um, uh, musical cliches or, as I like to call them, uh, the, the easy rhymes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when you have a really great line and uh, or three really good lines and uh, there's a fourth that has to go in there. And yeah, you find one that's uh, close, but not quite there, but uh, due to time constraints or whatever, uh, he's okay, good enough. Yeah, I know what you mean. <clears throat> so I, I know what you mean, where some people like uh, like a Dylan or a Lennon would, would kind of say, that's not good enough, I'm going to work on this. And yeah. He just, uh, and he's the kind of person, since he's not a, 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 a since he's not a... A yeah. recording artist, he said, that's good enough. I say he had 70 or 80% uh, you know, really good uh, lines and writing. In fact, a personal favorite on um, High Rollers. <laughs> <laughs> they come here to be like Bing Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a very good song. And it's a very good song mm. about... I don't know. It's just a very, it's just a very good about two guys. Yeah, I'm about trying two to guys. It's a very good story. You he's describing the guys, but I'm trying to think of okay. Yeah, I'm trying to get a mental picture of who these guys are, but but I could still see a movie out of that, you know. And I, I, yeah, I really like that. And I, I kind of, I have a, I don't know, I have a thing about songs about Mexico because there's there's always that wild bunch type of romanticism about. Yeah, that's the place you go to be free. That's yeah. the place you go when you're treated like a king because uh, your money's worth more. Because you're or you're you're not you're you're treated badly and misunderstood in the, <laughs> in the states, but in Mexico they understand you and it's peaceful. Yeah, and they're kind of there's that. that band playing in the back and they're playing that happy music. That <laughs> yeah. So even though there's 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 faults mm. in this album, um, and it is. It is one of those Hollywood type albums that people did lots of in the seventies, where excess yeah. was excess was more important, and the party was more important almost than the recording. Because there LA, was still a lot of heart in here, you know. L.A. gets mentioned second to to Mexico. Yes, in, uh, the number. <laughs> in a lot of songs, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I can't rate it very highly because, again, it's one of those albums where I can't. Even though I may give it a low rating in stars, it doesn't mean, like, I may listen, like, I'm going to give this three stars. Yeah, it was but not that an does, unenjoyable listen. It was not an unenjoyable listen. I turned that in does the morning and I was like, okay. This that I would listen to it less than some of the albums we, we, we give four stars. Because I love fascinating, interesting albums, <laughs> even with, even with a many flaws. Um, yeah, there's still, like I say, you know, uh, 70, 80% stuff that... Uh, that appealed to me that uh, I thought, you know, that's good. And I know that, and we both know, this is only going to appeal, this album is not going to appeal to the, just like the first album, to the major public yeah. at large. But if, you know what, there's a lot of people who love this first album and in a cult sort of way. Uh, and this one has really got ignored over the years it's almost people don't even know he made a second album they should investigate this one because if they yeah. like the first album this is this is not as weird but i think it's just as interesting <laughs> yeah uh, no the songs definitely held my interest and i think uh, a big part of that was the uh the character singing uh, made it different and the songs kept me listening 
even though it's not like the kind of music that uh, I would normally listen to. I don't, I don't know any music like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I can't, it is very, it is, if you come it's to the close, close to it's some kind, stuff. It's LA country rock, it's, but it's really weird LA country yeah, rock. And I, I really did. can't describe it. It's really undescribable. I mean, I wish I could, I guess LA country rock is the best we can do. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> uh, the best is maybe take a listen to it before you buy it because it's not for every. Both his albums are not for everybody's taste. But you know what? I even got a, an inkling, even though I've listened to his first album many times after we've reviewed it, to listen to it again because they're interesting and I love interesting albums. So uh, not made, but I I have to give stars on uh, merit of not. Not personally, as far as I'm going to, I like this, or love this song because it's interesting. This song has great emotional attachment to me, therefore it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I give it three stars because there there is a lot of deficiencies and it's, and it's weird. and and uh, But sometimes three stars is better than four stars. <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. Yeah, I started off initially with two and a half, then I raised it just because... It, uh, That's funny, it was Rob. a thing that so kept me I. interesting, or kept me interested, and uh, I did find it to be an enjoyable listen, even though it's not going to, you know, uh, be played uh, too much. But you blow me out of the water. I came here. <laughs> I came here tonight with two and a half stars in my head, but when I we started to talk about it and we started to talk about the good things about it, I feel like a guy was being too harsh. With two and a half, and I gave it three just because, just because <laughs> of what you just said right there. It's a funny how sometimes it's like weird, man. So um, that's our album for today. I really, really hope you, we really enjoy uh, doing albums like this because uh, yeah. it's easy to do like a Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Nothing against Rumors. It's a classic album. But when you do something that almost nobody knows about and is li- and is really not in the mainstream of music, you really should at least listen to it and see if you want to buy it or whatever you want to do, because uh, there's a lot, there's so many great albums released in the seventies and so many of them, unfortunately could not get listened to because there was so many great albums. And now is a good time. That's why I started this show because I wanted to emphasize the albums that got either for a right reason or a wrong reason got uh didn't get listened to i i also like albums that are bad that didn't get listened to (laughs) and if some people might like those albums too that i hate so this is a classic example i think i said this about the terry melcher (laughs) album the first one too where i said the reason why we have this show is for albums like this oh yeah i kind of listened to it i was thinking you know if i was in the 70s and i was a radio guy He's probably not going to get played, but still, this is, uh, it has something. There's something. Yeah, you know what? This this is actually a song that wouldn't get played on AM or FM. So there's no way you're going to hear this album on the radio. And radio was everything back then because he didn't tour. He was, you know, he was a behind the scenes kind of guy. So he didn't tour so you could see him. So how are are these two albums going to sell? They're not going to sell. You know what I'd be thinking at the time, but I was going to be thinking publicity stunt. Uh, I think he already had enough publicity with the whole <laughs> thing, but he didn't really need any. Yeah, but you need some immediately, something to bring you into the news. And people, who is it? He just did an album? Well, I'll have a listen to that. <laughs> no, it has to be a publicity stunt that happens at the time. I like when people do that. 
People can't see what I'm doing, mm. though, going like that. Yeah. Putting the <laughs> under the mouth. Mm, <laughs> scientist kind of. Uh... Yeah, scientist holding your chin. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all for today's show. And uh, tune in next week. By the way, we still hit 60 minutes. And I'm we're gonna, <laughs> next week, I swear we're going to try harder. Yeah. <laughs> we got to find an album that, that we, we really don't have any passions toward whatsoever. <laughs> we're going to find another Country Joe and the Fish. And I'm right. <laughs> so tune in next week when we will have another album review. That was picked by our good-looking but slightly bent listeners. So have a good week and take care, everybody. A good day. <laughs> that was so fucking creepy. I just write her on.